0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I'm your host, Jake Jabarelli, and John is out because he's again at the Hacker Dojo recording what's going on down there. There's lots of neat projects happening at Hacker Dojo on a regular basis, and John, he is on on the scene, getting all that great content. You want to check it out, it's also on the channel, you'll be able to see it every now and then, he puts it up all the time, so... Um, I just wanted to uh, invite everybody. Thanks uh, for showing up to the show. We're really grateful to have you here. And as you can see on the screen, we have the uh, black t shirt for Diamond Hands. And the Diamond Hands t shirt. Here's the back of it Diamond's Hands Never Sell. And then there's various other people modeling what it would look like on you. There's a bunch of other shirts we have if you're ever interested in checking them out. Of course, this is the swag. Other shirt sizes, other colors available. Anywho, Let's uh, get over on to uh, the Coin Tree here. I'd like to talk about the Coin Tree. Uh, you can donate if you guys like. And you can also check out where Elf. we post our content. If you're on Anchor, thanks for listening. And if you're on YouTube, we appreciate a thumbs up. Thanks very much. If you want to subscribe, we appreciate that as well. You can check us out on Twitter. Come on, check us out on Discord. I will get to that in a moment. Twitch, and of course, Odyssey, because there's no ads. Odyssey is awesome. It's all blockchain based uh, video media photos, all kinds of content. Anywho, we have the job of the day, which is a job from Infinite Capital and is a quantitative trader that is remote. So here is a description of what that means. We are looking for a skilled lead or head of trading to join our team, who will help drive the firm's trading operations in this position you will be able you'll be heading our crypto trading desk which includes monitoring positions managing risk and managing the whole process you will have the opportunity to collaborate with professionals across crypto hedge funds and trading firms to lead the firm's crypto trading efforts you should have the ability to spot rising opportunities and assertiveness to seize them an entrepreneurial mindset that thrives on creative problem solving is mandatory for this role. And that is the extent of it. I think it's a pretty simple job. So check out Infinite Capital's quantitative trading. It's a remote position, which means you can sign up for it anywhere. Freaking awesome. Look at this. seventy dollars to $250,000 a year. Amazing. Quite a bit of cash that they, they think that you could make at this job. If you're good, you'll be doing rolling in the dough. Probably crypto, <laughs> and the quote of the day comes from Dan Held. As you can see, I really like Dan Held. I've uh, promoted his tweets, and there are s- several good quotes out here. But I wanted to say in particular that the best advice I ever gotten for social media was block early and often, or trade early, or buy early. Yeah, and he said the best time to invest, and that's not trying to be my quote, It's yesterday. So if you want to check out, you know, our our um, channel here. Oops, that's that's John's. Me talking to John. Um, you can come here and jump on Discord's chat and uh, pick up a bunch of tokens like you can see me doing here as well as Cryptolyssa and uh, Blockchain John and Eagle, several people on the blockchain are probably participating. Right now, our, our own Satoshi Nakamoto is giving us a huge bonus in tokens here. Blockchain John announced a 500% upgrade in all the tokens you can collect every single hour. Just come and check out the forum. Believe me, there's lots more things to do if you want to be in here. So, uh, let's get over to the news. Oops, where'd the news go? Here it is. (laughs) So, um, this was some interesting news. I found that uh, Kim Kardashian is trying to escape the Ethereum Max lawsuit. Yeah, I don't blame her. Um, It would suck if you accidentally got, you know, convinced to be in a pump-and-dump scheme. And unfortunately, that seems to be what has happened to her. So, uh, the cryptocurrency briefly shilled by a handful of rich celebrities and athletes. Well, at least nine investors certainly do remember this, and they're seeking payback from those celebrities, including Kim Kardashian, in a class-action lawsuit. Billionaire socialite Kim Kardashian is still battling this this lawsuit, and like I said, I don't blame her for any of this. Which alleges it promoted Pump and Dump token on Friday. Her lawyers filed a motion to in the California U.S. District Court to try and have the complaint dismissed. The background is that a number of investors sued Kim Kardashian, as well as Floyd Mayweather and a former basketball star Paul Pierce in January for allegedly promoting the crypto token. The plaintiffs suffered investment losses and are blaming it on the celebrities for talking about Ethereum Max on social media, according to the lawsuit. Ethereum Max or Emacs is a token that no one really knew anything about until celebrities started promoting it. Floyd Mayweather famously promoted it on a teaser doing a Bitcoin Maximus conference in Miami June 2021. It runs on Ethereum, which hosts thousands of altcoins, but doesn't appear to have any utility right now, unfortunately. Uh, It's trading for a ridiculously low amount of money here. Coin market cap list is 0.0000000000. That's eight zeros. 4702 at the time of this writing. According to the lawsuit, the plaintiffs invested cash after viewing numerous celebrity endorsements of Emacs. Kardashian's defense, according to Friday filing, is that the token buyers are only relying on her two Instagram posts and in those posts the celebrity didn't give investment advice, she claims. Not that they were paying her for that anyways. The filing also says that the token buyers haven't specify that they saw Kim Kardashian's post ahead of time or that they bought Emacs tokens because of the post. Crucially, no-name plaintiff alleges that in the fact viewed either Instagram post before purchasing tokens during the relevant period of time, it says. So, yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure that they're going to be able to sue these people. Um, now, if they were paid for it and these people bought on it, it might be possible, but yeah. Um, I don't think that these people were in... in in on any of the pump and dump scheme that's going on here. And it kind of sucks that they were involved, but yeah, you know, if 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 uh, if Emacs didn't proclaim what they were doing ahead of time and then did something different, I don't think the celebrities are actually going to be liable. But that's just my opinion. Not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. Moving on to something with MicroStrategy here. Uh, MicroStrategy Reports, just, about it, just so you guys know, as a Step aside here, decrypt.co, and we're reading this off of that previous article about Kim Kardashian, was written by Matt DeSalvo, and the current one is by Jason Nelson. MicroStrategy reports 917 billion, pardon me, million, (laughs) Bitcoin, impairment charge as Saylor, that's Michael Saylor, steps aside. He's moving from one position to another in the company. MicroStrategy took a non-cash digital impairment charge of just shy of a billion dollars in the second quarter of 2022, that would be March through June, according to its Q2 2022 earnings call on Tuesday. An impairment charge describes a drastic reduction or loss in the recoverable value of an asset. In the case of MicroStrategy's Bitcoin holdings, the impairment charge reflects the decline in the price of Bitcoin compared to when MicroStrategy purchased it. You guys aren't already well, and they probably will say later on in this article that most of their value was purchased at about $30,000, not 20000 which is about where Bitcoin is sitting right now. Impairment can occur because of a change in the policy or economic circumstances like this crypto winter that we're going through. Here is a visualization. MicroStrategy's $917.8 million digital Asset impairment charge is a sharp increase from its $170.1 million charge in the first quarter of 2022. Since August of 2020, MicroStrategy has bought 129,699 Bitcoin at an average price of $30,664 per coin. When Bitcoin hit its all time high of $68,000 per coin in November of 2021, the total value of the company's Bitcoin holdings was around $8 billion with Bitcoin trading at $23,000 per coin. Those coins, those total holdings as of right now is about 20, or probably $2.9 billion, or less than half, almost a third. The company has acquired 421 Bitcoin at $20,000. Chief Financial Officer Andrew Kang said the, f- that 14,000 Bitcoin are being held by MicroStrategy's parent company, with the remaining 115 Bitcoin held by subsidi- subsidiary MacroStrategy. Those 85,000 Bitcoin are unpledged or unencumbered. Quote, we have more than sufficient collateral for any price volatility, he said. And another quote, digital asset impairment charges in every quarter have always been greater than the non-GAAP operating cost, or rather loss, added Kang, meaning that Bitcoin volatility and the main factor on the loss side of the company's balance sheet. We anticipate Bitcoin volatility, said Michael Saylor, who served as the company's CEO since its launch in 1989 before the company announced his transition to executive chairman early today. Does that mean that they don't like what he's doing? They don't want him in charge anymore? But, I mean, what's the difference with executive chairman and CEO? Mm. Volatility means Bitcoin is more interesting. (laughs) That's such a weird sidestep, Michael. And so microstrategy is also more interesting. He explained volatility is vitality. Anyways, so yeah, um, they took another hit, and he moved positions. I don't know if that's bad enough. They ou- ousted him because they didn't believe in him. It's kind of like what they did to Steve Jobs, where they kicked him out of the company, and they had to bring him back to save the company. If they kick out uh, Michael, maybe they'll have to bring him back because he's the visionary. In any case, let's move on. And this is very interesting to me because I am personally a Bitcoin miner. I own a com- Bitcoin mining, oh, not Bitcoin, a coin mining company. We do altcoins. Bitcoin miner Riot, uh, miner Riot <laughs> the company Riot, earned $9.5 million for shutting down during Texas heat wave. This is by Andrew Thovalos. Riot blockchain paused mining operations at its Texas facility last month upon request from the state and was handsomely rewarded. The industry industrial crypto miner, according to a company statement on Wednesday, earned roughly $9.5 million in power credits for its curtailment activity, roughly 439 Bitcoin, based on the average price of $21,634 for trade of Bitcoin at the time. The reward more than compensates for Riot's underwhelming production of 318 Bitcoin last month, down 28% from the 443 mined in July 2021. The payout comes as part of a demand response program available to miners in Texas that rewards them for giving power back to the grid when demand rises to overwhelm the system. Such an event occurred on July 8th when the statewide heat wave pushed power consumption to a record 78,206 megawatts or 78 gigawatts. What? what, what? I'm sorry, it's 78. According to Bloomberg. I wish I could just enter that little phrase in there of um, Doc Brown screaming how much power that was. As such, when the electricity, the electrical, pardon me, the electric reliable, re, yeah, I can't even say this right. The Electric Reliability <laughs> Council of Texas, otherwise known as ERCOT, which most people call it, called on the state re- residents to conserve energy whenever possible. Nearly every industrial-scale miner answered the call. Collectively, the miners helped return the grid over 1,000 megawatts in mining load. Riot said it curtailed 11,717 megawatts hours in July, enough to power 13,121 average homes for one month. The company has consistently and proactively pursued low-cost large-scale access to power under its long-term fixed-rate power contracts, providing it with a unique ability to support ERCOT and release capacities back to the grid when power demand in Texas is high, explains CEO Jesse Jason Les. The company sold 275 Bitcoin in July, generating $5.6 million, and as of July 31st, 66, 6,696 Bitcoin on hand. They did have to sell an awful lot off recently. Major, firms, major mining firms, including Core Scientific, were forced to dump most of their Bitcoin holdings in June to enhance liquidity as Bitcoin's plummeting price scorched miners' profits margins. This le- that led to the network's hash rate trending slightly downward since June according to Blockchain.com data. Nevertheless, Riot still has a deployed fleet of 40,311 miners with a hash rate capacity of 4.2 exahashes per second, close to 2% of Bitcoin's entire hash rate. So yeah, there is an awful lot of coin mining going on down in Texas. Unsurprisingly, even though you know Texas is pretty much its own entity as far as power goes, but uh, you know it, it's an interesting uh, concept that's going on here with the with the mining company Riot trading in their uh, hash rate for excess power usage when the air conditioning need goes really high as it did july 8th continuing on with an andrew hayward article here about solana solana vigilantes battled back against the wallet hacker thousands of Solana. pardon me that's not part of the article here we're starting to get answers about the large-scale solana hack that saw nearly $4.5 million worth of crypto being swiped from several thousand total users. But on Tuesday night, there were, was interesting situation in the mix, one that saw some users try to fight back against hacker, attackers through brute force. Does that sound familiar? During the initial hours of the hack, which is now being blamed on an exploit tied to the Slope mobile wallet, developers and security auditors congregated to try to figure out what was happening and how they might mitigate it. One unidentified developer apparently suggested a solution that could impede the attackers. According to Solblaze, the pseudonymous founder of Solana staking pool of the same name, the developer proposed using a previously created script that would quote try to try would, would try and write lock, that is not that is like writing with a pencil or something, uh, the attacker's accounts. Slowing their transactions down, end quote. Essentially, any transaction that makes a change to an account on the Solana blockchain, such as a balance change, would put the brief write-lock on that account, explained Michael Hubbard, founder and managing director of Solana Validator Operator Lane. Quote, the dev thought that they could trigger constant write-locks on the hacker's account, quote, said Hubbard, quote again, thereby preventing the hacker's transactions from executing successfully, end quote. And here's a quote regarding on Twitter. An unknown number of white-hat, or perhaps gray-hat, hackers used the developer's script to spam what Solana co-founder Anatoly Yakovenko has described as, quote, malformed, end quote, transactions on the hacker's account. It was similar to a distributed denial-of-service, or DDoS, attack. SoulBlaze believes that at least 5 to 10 users were involved in the spamming campaign, but the script was shared to a few hundred people, so it could quite have been, quite literally, have been more. The technique may have been, may well have helped, at least in one way. Soulblade said that only 300 wallets were affected by draining the exploit during the hour the spam bots ran, as opposed to 2,000 per hour beforehand. Quote, We have significant evidence that the spamming did slow down the hacker, they said. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, It's unfortunate, and this article is quite a bit longer, so I'm not going to go on. uh, That uh, this mobile wallet was attacked. And well, it just comes down to, and I think I've said it, if I haven't said it once, I've said it a hundred (laughs) times. Security is also important. That means making sure you plug holes. And of course, because even Google, one of the largest companies in the world when it comes to digital software, I guess all software is digital, right? um, Pays. Large, large sums of money to get hackers to um, take the um, you know take their payment instead of the hack um, in order to prevent massive losses. I think that's what all uh, coin companies should be considering: is pay the hackers off so that they don't hack you worse. <laughs> so. Um, I'm, there's a couple other Solana things here, but Solana in general is getting hit quite hard. I'm just going to move over to Robinhood, and Robinhood, of course, is doing things. It's on Crypto Potato, also by Andrew Thorvalos. Crypto, uh, Robinhood Crypto, that is the fact that Robinhood itself is offering crypto, the cryptocurrency-focused unit of online brokers firm has been slapped with a $30 million fine from the New York State Department of Financial Services, or NYDFS. The department alleged on Tuesday that Robinhood Violated both anti money laundering and cybersecurity regulations by neglecting to certify adequate programs for each. As a result, the, f- the company was will also be forced to retain an independent consultant to ensure it is compliant with NYDFS regulations in the future. As detailed by the Wall Street Journal, the regulator found significant failures in Robinhood's oversight of its compliance programs. It both failed to allocate the necessary resources to the program as the firm grew and failed to foster a culture of compliance. For one, the NYDFS stated that Robinhood had an insufficiently staffed Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering compliance program. Furthermore, it did not make appropriate upgrades to its transaction monitoring systems to match its growing size, transaction volume, and customer profiles. Regarding its security program, Robinhood allegedly followed policies that did not align with NYDFS, virtual currency, and cybersecurity regulations. The regulator said it even lacked a dedicated phone number on its website for receiving customer complaints, making for inadequate customer protection. The department uncovered these shortcomings as part of an investigation disclosed by Robin Hood in a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission last year. The brokerage initially expected to pay a penalty of $10 million, but <laughs> raised those expectation to $30 million in July 2021, about a year ago now. Tuesday's settlement marked the regulator's first enforcement action with the cryptocurrency sector. Quote, DFS will continue to investigate and take action when any licensee violates the law or department regulations, which are critical to protecting consumers and ensuring the safety and soundness of the institutions, said NYDFS Superintendent Adrian A. Harris in a statement. So... That's that's about Robin Hood. There's more things about uh, Kroken, but it's basically the same stuff. Moving on to the last article of the evening here. Mississippi woman jailed for 10 years after paying for murder in Bitcoin. I don't know if this is the most interesting article, but it is de- definitely written by Dimitar Zanzaroff. Still, yeah. The U.S. Department of Justice sends a 40-year-old resident of a name I can't pronounce in, in Mississippi, Jessica Sledge, to the statutory maximum of 10 years in federal prison. In 2021, the woman hired a hitman and paid him $10,000 worth of Bitcoin to murder her husband. <laughs> Additionally, the authorities jailed the citizen of Orange County, Jeremy McAlpine and Zachary Matar, for luring over 2,000 investors to a fraudulent crypto screen, scheme. Pardon me. The former will spend 36 months behind bars, while the latter 30 months. Justice is served. In September of 2021, American law enforcement agents received information that Jessica Sledge hired a man, uh, hired a murder, <laughs> via the dark web. A month later, she paid him $10,000 in Bitcoin so he could kill her husband. Yeah. Uh, where? Anyways, aware of Sledge's intentions, another undercover police officer contacted to her, identify himself as the hitman she appointed with uh, the task. Following a series of recorded conversations, she confirmed the crypto transaction and its purpose. In November 2021, Sledge agreed to meet the FBI agent she thought was an assassin, gave him an additional cash payment, and once again proved her murder plot. As a result, the authorities had enough evidence to arrest her. According to a recent announcement, United States District Judge Carlton W. Reeves sentenced her to a statutory maximum of 120 months in jail, or 10 years, she also will have to pay a $1,000 fine. Honestly, I think the time in prison is worse. While law enforcement agents will strictly monitor her actions for a term of three years after she is released. Thanks for the accurate ap- uh, operation, or thanks to the accurate operation of the American authorities, the intended victim remained ultimately unharmed. Probably probably pretty offended but un- unharmed. <laughs> the U.S. Department of Justice sentenced two other individuals for crimes related to digital assets, but that's not what this article is primarily about. That was interesting The Crypto Potato, on a regular basis reports mm-hmm. adjacent news in the same article as the headlining article. Uh, it does kind of feel like a newspaper if you've ever read one of those. So I just want to make a quick comment. Uh, we haven't really talked about CoinGecko in a really long time. They're not really doing CoinGecko stuff anymore. CoinGecko did actually have a very interesting... Um, conference not that long ago which i attended it was i wish i could have stayed longer but unfortunately since it started on eastern time and i'm on western time i wasn't unable to make the conference uh as reasonably they started at 6 a.m here on the west coast and that was a little early for me to arise so uh, i didn't really get to see all of it they did have nfts and i missed that too i'm a little bit disappointed by the fact that i wasn't able to get the nfts that came out of conference but if you guys are still collecting those coins great you know, I still use CoinGecko on a regular basis. I really appreciate their tool. And they've recently added some interesting features. But um, you'll have to go to CoinGecko yourself to check that out. We're not promoting them, but I still use it. It's still a great tool. And if you're interested in other tools besides CoinMarketCap, which is probably the most commonly used and one of the ones that people reference on a regular basis that I've heard of, I've also looked out, checked out at uh, CoinPaprika. There's more than CoinPaprika. I think Nomix is another one I've used on a regular basis. And I just think that those tools are really kind of neat to use. So um, check out those t-shirts. Uh, we always appreciate when people, um, you know, make purchases from us and donate if you want to donate directly. We appreciate that as well. That's all I've got for this evening. So thanks all for listening. And as John and I say often, if not every single time at the end of the show, stack sats, and hodl. Adios.